0: Bye-bye.
1: How's everybody doing?
2: What's up, guys? How's it
1: going?
3: Welcome back, Nico.
1: Yeah, welcome. We missed you last week. We had a terrific podcast guest, Rick Solo, who's a man who our paths have crossed a million times, apparently, and I never got to meet him, and I'm hoping to meet him in person, uh, you know, this spring.
3: Yeah, that w- that was a lot of fun, actually. The guy, he's got, a, he's been in the martial arts for decades, and he's got a million great stories. Just met a million personalities. It was, it ended up being really good. Yeah, you missed out, Nico. Hopefully, you got to catch the show, or will at some point. But yeah, we missed having you there because I'm sure you would have had some really good questions for him. But
1: uh, yeah, it was a great episode.
2: Well, we should see if you, you could do a part two with him.
1: Oh, for, well, sure. for sure, part three, part four, because he was talking about bringing on. Uh, Students or uh, associates um, that he's familiar with regarding other aspects of the martial arts and things in general. But I'm also thinking maybe one day we should try to get a a bunch of people on at once, you know, let's say, you know, three or four people that we know, Javier and, you know, Brian and, you know, along those lines, and just get like a group, you know, and just kind of have like a little round table, you know.
3: Yeah, it'd be kind of cool, like kind of like a a, a tool and die roundtable, we'll call it, or something. All the old timers just get them around and talk about those stories, because I'm sure everybody remembers different parts of the stories too, differently, you know. So getting everybody who can be available would be kind of fun.
1: Yeah, I I think that there's a lot of people suffering from burnout of things, and you know we're we're getting up there, you know, uh, in age, and when you when we start reflecting on uh, like with Javier and even you, Joe, we go back 20 years. Uh, that's, I mean, that may not be 50 years, but 20 years is still a good chunk of change. So yeah, there, there's a lot of stories and, you know, a lot of things that, you know, we should get recorded while we can.
3: Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, that's, that, and that's one, I think, the, to me, one of the big benefits of this is that we get all these things down and archived, you know uh you know before we start forgetting the details I think a lot of great stories have come up and yeah if we get even like outside people telling their stories it's it's just a really cool thing to be a part of to get these things you know down on
1: tape as it were well speaking of the archive yeah I've been taking some time watching old interviews from like the 70s and you know Dick Cavett, uh, Johnny Carson, things like that uh even Merv Griffin whatever uh it yeah, twofold to help me learn to be a better interviewer because now we are getting guests that, well, you know, like, I may not be familiar with these people, so I can't sit there and talk to them I'm, you know, like old buddies and, you know, could help my interviewing skills. But it also, it's, it's fascinating to have these uh, archives of some, some of these legendary, uh, Actors or uh, famous people. And, you know, I think we could actually have something similar, if not even better, because uh, we're on the same page with many of these people, you know, so what, what I mean by that is, you know, Johnny Carson, let's say may have had a, a person completely out of his entertainment uh, strength on the show. Uh, same with Dick Cavett, maybe a politician or a, you know whatever, an athlete or something. Whereas we we tend to kind of stay focused in our little circle. So I think it would be great, yeah, to archive you know everything we can.
3: Well, yeah, and I mean obviously big personalities, you know, they're going to make it onto the big national scene, and you know a lot of a lot of their stories are documented. But I mean I think I think Rick really just proved that you know even. You know, local kind of personalities and people just have amazing stories that are out there. The stories to be told. I mean, here's a lifetime of a guy who's, you know, you know, lived and you know, basically dedicated his life to a, you know a system and art and how he got there and how much time he spent there. I mean, there's just, like I said, it, it it's kind of cool that we have this opportunity to you know, and the more people that we can get. I'm sure there's tons of, you know, martial artists that we know either directly or indirectly who have just kind of amazing stories, just like his stories about, uh, you know, the seminar he took with Benny the Jet. I mean, you know, I was just talking with our friend Jason Bender about it, and he was like, wow, that was so cool. I mean, these are little snippets of life and in, in what we like to do and love to do that. Um, you know, you're not going to hear or read, you know, it's only from, you know, people from their individual stories where that gets out. So it's just kind of super cool to get those Uh, little stories and perspectives from people.
1: Well, I think one person we need to tie into in in with is uh, Terry Dow out East, because, you know, he, he has that symposium that I used to go to and teach at. And I, I believe it's scheduled again for this month. I can't make it because I can't, can't travel, but he knows so many uh, famous martial artists, such as Bill Wallace and Michael DiPasquale and, you know, and, and on and on. So um, he would be the guy to really talk to as, as I mentioned, I believe on last month's or last week's podcast, I tend to keep to myself, you know, I don't affiliate with, you know, I do my own thing. I'm by myself kind of. So I don't, I don't uh, know a million, you know, martial art guys. Cause I, I don't, I never really classified myself as a martial artist per se. You know, I always look at myself as, uh, you know, different realm. And uh, so I never really felt like I was part of the clique. And uh, Terry sure does not know a lot of people. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a fact.
3: Yeah, and it would be a good way for him to plug this thing he's got coming up too. So we should definitely get him set up.
1: But uh, yeah. It'd be great.
3: So was it on one of these interview shows that you saw the thing with Orson Welles that you were talking about? Well,
1: yeah. You know, Orson Welles, for those of younger generation who, who may have heard the name, don't know him, uh, is probably most famous for being the writer, producer, director, and star of what's generally acclaimed as, if not the greatest movie, certainly one of the greatest movies of all time, and that's Citizen Kane. And he's just a, or was just a absolute fantastic man known for his tremendous baritone voice. Uh, did a lot of voiceovers, did a lot of commercials in the seventies and eighties. He died in 85. Uh, large man grew to, 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 a tremendous size, well over 400 pounds it, it appeared. Um, magician, uh, Man, hats off! The guy was married to Rita Hayworth, who's one of the most beautiful women that ever lived. Uh, I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. He he had a daughter with uh, with uh, Rita, and uh, yeah, just a startling uh, beautiful woman uh, who, ironically, became the first famous person um, publicized. Uh, of suffering from Alzheimer's disease. And she kind of put the, unfortunately, kind of helped put Alzheimer's back on the map. Uh, For those of you who don't know, Alzheimer's is a relatively recent uh, classification or discovery, I believe uh, 1906. And then for years, it was kind of swept under the table, uh, almost kind of forgotten in a sense. And you, you know, especially in my, when I was a kid, people who were older and showed those symptoms were called senile, okay? Senility and, and things like that. Well, it was more than likely was, was Alzheimer's. But uh, one of the and, – and by the way, without getting back to Orson Welles, he was a tremendous storyteller. Uh, and, you know, you sometimes had to take certain things that he said with, with a grain of salt, but he was the most captivating voice and, and presence <clears> – <throat> pardon me – And I believe it was Dick Cabot that asked him, now this is circa 1970, Uh, are there any great actors currently, again, currently meaning in the 70s, that have the power or the fame of some of the stars of the golden era? And Orson Welles, it was a very intriguing answer. He said no. And the reason being, he says, it's not for a lack of talent. It's not like the, the actors of, of that era right there, the 70s, uh, were not as talented. It's the, it was no longer the biggest thing in the world to be a great actor. And as he went on to state, at the late turn of the 18, 1800s, early 1900s, the most famous people in this country were opera stars. And as you mentioned, an opera star could walk down the street and people would literally faint. They would be so blown away. And then from there, the biggest thing to become was an actor or actress. Once the movies caught hold, that was like everybody wanted to be an actor or an actress. That was the biggest thing. And he said by the 70s, he's like, that's no longer the case, right? He said, now the biggest thing is a pop pop singer. Okay, so, and he was correct, you know, by the time the 70s rolled around, you had, you know, superstar singers, uh, or, you know, groups such as the Beatles and, you know, before the Elvis and so on. And it got me to thinking that when I was growing up, as it related to sports, the greatest sports thing, sports man or title would have was the heavyweight champion of the world being a boxer, being the heavyweight champion of the world was the the highest pinnacle in the sporting world. And, and it probably stacked up uh, with being, you know, the biggest superstar singer uh, or actor. When when you think about guys like, you know, Muhammad Ali, uh, even George Foreman, Joe Frazier, these these names were legend, and uh, you know that's you know no longer the case. Sort of like Hollywood's golden era of acting, it's 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 no longer there, uh, and and it may never come back again. Um, the fight game, martial arts have, well, martial arts have never been that big, but yeah, it, it's there's there was the parallel there. And I saw that how as a kid, yeah, everybody wanted to be the heavyweight champion of the world, right? Or not every kid, but you get my point. Just And in, in Orson's day, it was to become a famous actor. I thought it was interesting.
3: Yeah, I wonder if, if he'd lived long enough or longer, if his answer would have changed. Because in some ways, I still see that kind of you know, hero worship and and celebrity, you know, when certain people hit a certain threshold, whether it's athletes, I mean, you think like LeBron, so you don't think LeBron is as big as the heavyweight champ of the world was in the seventies.
1: I believe now. Yeah. My point is that the boxing has decreased, you know, and and, and, yeah. And boxing is no longer the pinnacle of individual sport achievement in this country. It isn't. So yeah, Michael Jordan, uh, who predates, obviously, uh, MJ or uh, LeBron. Um, he over he took that mantle. Uh, he was just he you know transcended the sport of uh, basketball and took basketball as a sport to an probably to a new height. And before him, MJ. Uh, I keep saying MJ, uh, Magic and Larry Bird, but you know Jordan took it to a in uh, you know, a whole different different level but. yeah he was like
3: international re- internationally recognized he really helped i think expand the sport all over the world he just became oh, iconic my. so i don't know yeah i wonder if orson wells is i mean as far as specifically to acting i mean there are still some actors or a-list celebrities who are just you know ridiculously popular i mean and i think i still think probably most people if you ask them would still want to be i mean either a you know like a you know, professional athlete or an actor. I mean, it just seems obvious. I don't know. The only thing I wonder is different now is that, like back in the golden age of Hollywood, is that we weren't so prone to tear them down so much. So like, you know, I think there's some disillusionment now. I mean, in some ways, you know, we we know that they're they're fallible humans, you know, now that they're not these, you know, kind of uh, demigods or these, you know, better than human characters so but i mean there is a whole and if you look at the way the press works now i mean there's a whole industry cashing in on just digging up dirt on these people and kind of cutting them down because i think that that sells too and i don't know and i guess there was always kind of those you know back in the day those kind of you know rag rag magazines or whatever that people would have you know about scandals back in hollywood and things like that but i think maybe the, um, what do you call it? The uh, the different studio heads and stuff had, were able to keep kind of lock any kind of controversies down. Well, maybe now um, people are just more exposed. So I don't know. I think celebrity has changed a little bit, um, you know, whether it's athletics or, you know, the other arts or whatnot. But I mean, he was right. I mean, by the, you know, the 60s and things, you know, music had kind of, during that time, was at the forefront maybe had at least for a brief period had superseded it but I think it recedes I think it's almost like a business cycle where depending on the caliber of the artists you know I mean certain personalities like I mean you mentioned the Beatles that's like a kind of a once in a generation kind of phenomenon you know and now and they fade away and not, there's not necessarily someone who is in that art realm that can fill that void so it, it kind of comes and goes I don't know and maybe that's true with athletes. I mean, maybe there will be a, a boxer that captures the imagination
1: again. I don't know. What do you think? Well, the last heavyweight. I think it's, it's
2: all UFC fighters.
1: Yeah, but the UFC fighters still don't have that level of celebrity. Uh, you know, 30 years ago, you could go pretty much anywhere and say, who's the heavyweight champ? And people would, you know, Tyson or whoever, they'd know. Well, yeah, you would be very hard-pressed to, to find anyone who knows who the UFC heavyweight champion is, unless, you know, they obviously follow MMA. But it's not a household. And part of it is because, you know, the UFC itself isn't accessible. It's pay-per-view events so much. Whereas when we grew up, you'd still see fights, championship fights, now and then, you know, on free television. No matter who the, you know, Hagler, Hearns, whoever, you know. But getting back to uh, Orson Welles, you know, in the early days of Hollywood, it was a studio system and you, you know, it was, it was a whole setup. It was literally like going to work. Whereas today and, you know, not just today, but through the years it changed, actors became more independent, so to speak. And, uh, you know, kind of changed the whole culture of Hollywood. Yeah, it's 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 an. I mean, I'm not a Hollywood guy, I've you know, I I have no personal insight. I've been to Hollywood a couple times, but not you know, acting related or anything. But yeah, it's a whole different uh, I've talked to people who are involved in Hollywood. I mean, I knew somebody who was a musician but who actually did Hollywood movies, and um, you know, when I was younger, and he told me how they groomed you, how to always look. Your best never go outside unless you look like you're dressed like a million dollars and all of that kind of stuff and of course nowadays you, know, you, you see celebrities dressed in you know pajamas sometimes you'll walk in the streets
3: you know you mentioned tyson and actually i think that's a good almost counter you made a counter argument to yourself though is that, i mean because you know in the 70s obviously you had ali and frazier and those guys were yeah he had the attention of the world, but I think Mike did too. And that was, that was later. That was a later generation where he, because of his, the way he dominated and his performance, I mean, he was huge. And I mean, people still talk about him now. You know, yeah, I mean, So I, I just wonder if, you know, it just takes the right talent or personality and whatever it is, whether it, someday it'll be MMA or, you know, um, you know, boxing again or, or whatever sport. Like we said, like it's LeBron now, but I think that potential is always there. I think humans kind of yearn for that. You know, we we get captivated by these kind of uh, bigger than human personalities.
1: Well, I'm not saying the 70s were the cutoff for the heavyweight boxing. I'm just saying when I was a kid in the 70s, I wasn't a kid, you know, I'm older than Tyson. So, but to me, Tyson was the last universal, that era, Tyson Holyfield. I mean, I don't even know how many people know Riddick Bowe okay uh anymore right tyson was uh and still has the the name even though there's some you know negativity at times attached to it but but tyson also had the goods i mean he was a phenomenal fighter but the point of it all wasn't even getting into specifically this or that it was just how the reason af- actors in the 20s and 30s were so popular overwhelmingly popular is because the acting profession was like the biggest thing, you know, uh, and it that isn't as much because acting now, I think, has gotten so diluted and it's no longer centralized in Hollywood. I mean, acting happens, you know, everywhere, even though back, back then it was more, um, you had only two options pretty much, the stage or go to Hollywood you know and then or radio which you know wasn't a a visual media now actors not just now but you know for generations since acting is has been widespread new york wherever you know it's interesting i have you ever thought about acting on nico
2: not really because i'm i'm probably the worst guy to be on this podcast because i'm not in the pop culture at all um and not really into actors or, or hero worship or any of that i don't even watch a lot of people ask me because they know that i, I do martial arts you know I a long time and different arts and everybody asks me oh so uh about the next ufc fighter what do you think about this guy what do you think about that guy and they're so shocked because I'm, I, my answer is always i don't even know who he is i don't watch it i don't care about the ufc i don't care about really anything in pop culture. Um, but I'm interested in the arts and, you know, training and the techniques. And I've trained with, you know, some guys that were UFC level and in the UFC, but I don't care about it at all. Um, so as far as acting, there are some actors that I, I think are really good actors, but, uh, I, I you know, I don't idolize them at all. And I don't really care who's popular.
1: Yeah, I don't know a lot of the modern actors or actresses or comedians. And, you know, I don't stay abreast with that. I, I tend to like the old classics because what I, kind of what I grew up with, you know, uh, we were very limited. You know, to a degree, probably you too, uh, Nico, uh, definitely Joe. You know, we didn't have 70, 80 or 100 whatever different channels you have now like on cable. You know, we had three, you know, ABC, NBC, CBS, and then we had PBS and, you know, a UHF channel. Sometimes we only had one, sometimes two. Not a lot of choices. But uh, my whole point wasn't to really focus the show on acting. It was just to use Orson Welles and how he mentioned that, um, you know, how there was a time in this country where acting was – super big, and, you know, that time has passed, and just, you know, like sports, probably in the 20s, baseball, you know, Babe Ruth was the first, you know, mega athlete, and to this day, his name is still synonymous um, with baseball, <clears throat> and trends, it's basically trends, you know, uh,
2: Yeah, that's really what it is. I think the same thing, Applies with martial arts, you know the cycles and the trends. Like wrestling and boxing, those are like universal, probably some of the first ones ever. But then I, I remember when karate was extremely popular, and kung fu, with all the movies and stuff, it was popular. And then after the first UFC, the the new trend went to BJJ. You see BJJ schools popping up everywhere. And I I think the trend is moving too. I think it's going more to personal protection now and away from sport due to increase in violence and turbulence. I think that's going to be the new trend.
3: That's an interesting observation because you're right. I mean, there's a very clear... I mean, most of people who are familiar with martial arts history kind of knows that there was a, a, a... almost like a, every decade or so there was a new art that was kind of the popular thing so i think it was like in the 50s after world war ii it was judo right because a lot of the guys were coming back from the, the pacific and they had picked up judo and then karate and eventually right the 70s it was kung fu because of you know uh the kung fu tv show and bruce lee they were huge and then it was ninjas that was a big thing in the 80s right yeah, I, for,
2: I forgot the ninjas yeah i you remember ninjas man come with on the, with the ninja turtles the man fu. i always wanted to be a ninja
3: <laughs> true man if you're going to be something be a ninja right um but i almost wonder if that's psych like in some ways this is the thing i kind of speculate is that all those it's weird that it came kind of almost full circle because judo which is a lot like bjj i mean they're so similar i mean they're you know they're, they're um i mean there's obviously differences but it seems like it's almost come full circle that's come back to rediscovering that and grappling in general. I mean, I think there's been finally, obviously, you know, I think I'm stating the obvious here, but there's a new appreciation for boxing and wrestling as a martial arts, uh, you know, a lot, and thanks to the UFC and things like that. But, I mean, where else is there left to go? You know, I think in some ways, and maybe, and this is kind of what's interesting is, you know, is there something else out there, you know, over left to discover? Or are we kind of in the new, kind of in that final stage, if it were, this is kind of the, we've, you know, achieved what we're going to see. I mean, I think there might be subtle shifts where, you know, it seems like over time boxing and wrestling are, are continuing to kind of grow as far as respect in in the fighting arts. I mean, Muay Thai was like, you know, we had Rick on here, but back in the eighties when he and I were first doing it, it was like a secret no one had ever heard of, you know, and now that's definitely become mainstream. People know it, you know, um, you know, maybe not my mom, per se, but I think anybody who's interested in self-defense and uh, fight sport knows it. And so, you know, is there anything else out there left to discover, you know, or, or is there going to be another major shift where something else becomes huge again? Or as, has that ended, too? Well,
2: well, it has to. It has to. It's just everything goes in cycles. It's not, it's not that you're going to discover something new, but there's going to be a cycle where something else becomes popular
3: or like rediscover, I guess, like, are we ever going to rediscover karate again? Is that ever going to come to the forefront or is, has that kind of, I mean, there'll always be people practicing karate and it's always going to be an international sport, but for a time when you said martial arts to people's minds, that meant karate, you know? Um, and, um, you know, I don't know if that's going to be the cases more now it's just kind of, you know, it's kind of achieved its, its peak in the popular consciousness. And, um, you know, is there going to be someday a karate star, maybe who does something awesome in the UFC, who regains attention to that? I mean, they've had a few fighters who are, you know, a lot of them actually have some karate background, but they're, they're not purely karate fighters. You know, they're definitely, everybody's there is obviously mixed and has grappling experience. So it gets a little bit of attention. but, you know, will it ever come back to that prominence that it had, uh, like, let's say back
1: in the 60s? We don't know. I mean, if there's a way to make money off of something, somebody will promote it. I mean, in, 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 when I say making money, it doesn't even necessarily mean in competition. It's just about marketing. So like your tie boxing, that was around, you know, long before the eighties, uh, Aaron Banks out of New York, who was a promoter used to do his, I believe what he called the Oriental world of self-defense shows. And he had, you know, boxers versus kickboxers, tie boxers, this and that. He had, he put on shows with some of these obscure arts. Uh, the, the, I don't want to say the word problem, but the, the thing was, it wasn't marketed at such a level that it caught on across the whole country, you know, let alone the whole world. Um, with the UFC, they caught lightning in a bottle, you know, the promotion, you know, it got exposed. But the UFC came around at the right time, uh, meaning with the existence of cable television and pay-per-view, you could put this show you know, in, anybody's, in everybody's house. I don't believe if you took it into the mid-'70s, the UFC would not have been on television. I don't think there would have been enough interest for a network to say, oh, yeah, well, you know, it might have been a one-time, one-shot deal. But with it being pay-per-view, there really wasn't any risk, you know. I guess the promoters, you know, the Gracies were, if anybody, were the ones who were at risk with the money. So timing is everything, you know. Um, that's that's just how I look at it. And, and, and to throw it back to movies for a moment, apparently there were some silent movie stars that when the talkies came over, you know in you know became popular uh the silent movie stars their careers some of them ended because they didn't have the voice that would have been uh you know good enough for talking pictures which is another interesting concept so there is a point in time where timing kind of hurt some of those old-time actors um anyway yeah it's a it's interesting. We don't know what, what's, what's down the line, but I think Nico's to something with the self-protection. Uh, yeah, I, I don't, I mean, I remember how bad the times were in the seventies. Uh, so I just think we're getting back to maybe that era where it's, you know, pretty rough times people are going to do what they have to do. Maybe that'll be the next, uh, you know, the next big, uh, cycle in martial arts is getting back to strictly reality-based stuff who knows I don't know
3: yeah almost it's almost like you know and and that makes a lot of sense in some ways because that's maybe the one area of martial arts that is probably the most neglected you know like I think part of the uh, you know one of the big things with the UFC and why it's it's influenced uh, kind of you know Martial arts culture across the globe is that I think a, a lot of fighters were neglecting grappling and things like that, and it really revolutionized things. It really put a spotlight on that and changed the way people were thinking of it. And because a lot of you know, not everybody obviously clearly, you were grappling <laughs> since the '70s, and there's a lot of, you know, there's a whole, there was a whole culture of it uh, out there, but it wasn't it didn't have mainstream acceptance. You know, they always talk about people who were yelling at the ring saying. Hey, get up and fight, you know, and get off the ground and, and things like that. Like people just either couldn't comprehend what they were seeing or didn't want to see it, you know, and, um, it took some, a while for people to accept that. Yes. You also, you know, striking is important, but you also need to be able to grapple. And, um, but I just wonder if, you know, that next evolution or the thing that maybe the thing, the opportunity is that area where we're kind of neglecting. And like you said, I mean, in some ways, uh, combat sports, uh, which are really central to martial arts skills, but they're not the only thing there. I think even like yesterday, uh, last week's conversation with Rick, it's like, hey, sometimes your ring skills are not going to be enough. You know, don't just assume that because you have ring skills or math skills uh, that you're going to be 100% safe. You know? Uh, you know, he talked about some like parking lot fights where it was just like, you may be good, but you can get in a lot of trouble in those circumstances. And I think that's something that we've talked about a lot here, but maybe that's makes sense that that's the, the thing that needs to come to the forefront, you know, and, and once maybe some event or whether it's, you know, in the news or historical, maybe that will, will be what captures it. Because I do think that that, and maybe that's where it comes full circle. Cause a lot of times back in the day, I think martial arts were always associated with that. And maybe it's kind of drifted away from that.
1: Well, I don't know. I can, I don't, I agree with what you're saying. I can, I can tell you That in my little corner of the world, when I was a kid growing up, because of everybody was exposed to violence, I think now what's happening is people that have really were never truly exposed to violence, like violence never really hit home with them. Now, now it's starting to hit home because, you know, it's, you know, you, you read about it or hear about it on a daily basis, but I can tell you in my little corner of the world for the people who were around violence, they're like, your karate shit ain't going to help you. You know, karate or martial arts, but they would say karate. Uh, you know, the, the, the people who actually saw how violence went down knew that martial arts isn't going to help you. Okay. It isn't like the martial art movies. You're going to get shot. It's going to be three on one. It's going to be four on one. There's going to be weapons all over the place. So um, I think... That may be the biggest awareness that may happen to some people. They may finally wake up and say, yeah, you know what? Yeah, this stuff isn't enough. You know, this martial arts training alone isn't enough. We have to to take it in a different direction. And that could be learning weaponry or just learning a different way of fighting or approach, Uh, who knows? You know, um, hell, if I was raised in a suburb somewhere and didn't see what I saw in my lifetime, I probably wouldn't even have gotten involved in this stuff to begin with, but I certainly wouldn't have had the zeal or the zest to, you know, worry about self-defense. I would have just figured, well, I can handle myself, and that's good enough. You know, I, I never had that kind of attitude because I knew it, it's never good enough. You know, always have to stay on your toes. So I think that might happen to a lot of people. They may finally become aware, you know, um, oops, yeah, I, I got to do different, or I got to you know train more or train differently.
2: I, th- I think part of why MMA is so appealing to everybody is they it seems to be like the most realistic way to train in a controlled environment um, because it just seems like a lot of these self defense schools they're not really doing like hard they're not really sparring and it, it doesn't seem like a realistic scenario There's it's a lot of like this guy does this and it depends on which school obviously but uh, more like mechanical, I guess you could say, to whereas like MMA just it's, you know, you actually do it live. So I think that's what appeals to some people, not just, you know, the glamorization of the sport. Um, is there a way to turn self-defense? I mean, more um, into like a live scenario where you're doing live sparring. I mean, obviously you could add ripping and into the grappling, but you really can't take it too far. What, I mean, is there a way that you could shift the image of it and, and make it more palatable for, for people?
1: Well, even if I gave you the answer, even if it, you know, it's, it's all about promotion, you know, there, there, you know, I thought I, I had a good way of training. I'm sure there's other people out there that may have a good way of training, but we're individual people without a lot louder, larger voice. Uh, again, it's, you know, it, it's all about promotion. And right now for the last 20 some years, the UFC type fights, MMA fights have been getting, you know, the bulk of the promotion. So that's what's in everybody's uh, mind. That's what they see. That's what they hear uh, so even if there was a perfect solution if it gets drowned out uh, you know who's gonna who's gonna take advantage of it it's 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 a sticky wicket it's a difficult thing um, I, I don't know I, I know that talking when I was a young kid talking to old guys you know that box like really like 40 50 years older than me you know, they they did all that sparring contact. You know, not necessarily wrestling. It didn't matter though. They threw punches and took punches. They they knew what it was like to be physical. Um, and there's a lot to that. And there were kids a few years older than me that I met that did karate ish, you know, style, no contact. You know, karate. And, and they never learned what it's like to dish it out or take it. You know what I'm saying? It was always point karate stuff, you know, pull your punches, and you actually got chastised if you may contact. And now, this is not every school. I'm just saying, but in the kids that I knew, they did a lot of that, you know, point karate stuff. So uh, I don't know. I'm going to continue to do what I do you know, because I feel what I do encompasses this, but my voice is this very, I'm one little speck, you know, in 7 billion people. So, you know, you know, you what need, you know how it is.
2: You need your own promotion, Tony. That's I think you hit the nail on the head with the promotion, you know?
1: Yeah, it, it is. And that's one thing I've never been good at. <clears throat> I don't, I don't promote, like I don't market. Like I told you, I kind of keep to myself and I don't do one of these circle jerk things where everybody gets together and, you know, it starts to go viral. I don't, know any uh, other concept. I you know, I I did like I said, I spent three or four days trying to study it with you know Tom Antion, but um I, I'm just that it's just that's not my it's just not my strong suit, you know, I, I'm not uh you know and believe me, I've been at this for twenty five years or so. If I haven't figured it out by now, I'm not gonna figure it out. <laughs> yeah, I mean Jen. Well
0: <laughs>
3: and don't forget. I mean, the UFC, if I'm not mistaken, like early 2000s was going to go bust, you know, like they were not, people didn't want to watch that, you know, for whatever reason, you know, especially, um, and and I'm pretty sure, I mean, this is kind of simplifying the history of it, that they really captured popular imagination more so outside of the martial arts community when they did that um, reality TV show, right? So now they could have like, you know, they'd get everybody in a house and there'd be some pseudo drama. And basically they got the people who could care less about fighting to watch, you know, so they could have the personal story. So they had someone to root for. And that's part of the, I mean, there's kind of two aspects. Yeah, if you're going to be like nationally famous or get up to that level, in some ways, it especially for an obscure sport or something that is not, well-known the way to break through they, that was the magic formula for them is the reality TV thing. And that's where I think it'd be, you know, just got huge. I mean, it was big, but it was, like I said, it wasn't enough to be a sustaining business. I think real violence and real things like that. Uh, not a lot of people have an uh, uh, appetite for it.
1: They changed the, the rules or the, the focus and they, to a degree, de-emphasize this unending grappling on the ground where nothing was happening and people, spectators were getting, you know, bored to death, you know, they they made it more action-packed with the strikes. And, you know, I remember, I don't know if they still do, because like Nico, I really don't follow it, but they used to give, you know, bonus money for quickest knockouts or something like that, you know, just whatever, you know, trying to get the, the flash, um, you know, to make it more spectator, you know, friendly. Because uh, you know it 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 was getting to the point of monotony, just seeing what how it used to be. Now it's you know it's it's more to the taste of the spectators. The spectators enjoy what they see now, and you know that's there's nothing wrong with that. It's the whole point. Listen, they do this with everything. They've changed the rules in football. They've changed the rules in baseball. Baseball because. You know, they say people's attention spans are are so much shorter now. You know, baseball, they they try to speed up the game. And I still hear complaints from people that I love baseball, but for many people it's like watching baseball is like, you know, watching a car rust. You know, it's just (laughs) too too slow. That's
2: that's how I feel about watching baseball.
3: You know, I have a buddy, I'm, this is a digression, but not only does he watch baseball, but he's so into it, he'll watch replays of baseball games he's already seen. That's hardcore, man.
1: Well, yeah. Well, you, see now, the thing, the beautiful, the, first of all, this the thing about baseball that appealed to me, uh, it was a summer sport, spring and summer, right? Uh, but baseball was every day, okay? it It was always on in my lifetime 162 games and before me 154 games that's a lot and even if they weren't on television you had the radio and radio I miss radio because the one thing about radio is it tapped into your imagination a game could be so enjoyable maybe even a a a radio program like a mystery theater or something could be so awesome because it was a different, the same program could be completely different for Nico, for you and for me. So for example, if they're talking about a horror show right on radio, we really don't know what that creature looks like. It's up to our imagination to make that picture connected and my picture would be different than Nico's, and Nico's would be different than yours, perhaps. And that's how it was with, uh, for me, when I, would, when I would listen to radio baseball. Uh, you know, I could, can, I can, a swing and a miss, you know, I could imagine how bad that, that batter swung and missed, where in reality, it might have just been a check swing. Who knows, right? So um, I missed that. But in, but in baseball, we just—it was part of our youth. We we all played baseball. I don't, I don't see kids doing that much anymore uh, around here. But um, but yeah, that was the thing, the thing to me. Uh, baseball was just—it'll uh, always have a spot in my heart. You know.
3: You know. Well, going back, oh, go ahead,
1: Nicole. I was going to
2: say going back to Joe's point earlier which that was a really good point about the reality TV show and how it captivated, you know, a broad audience and brought back the UFC ratings. And for me, I like I, I could care less about watching the UFC, but to me that was interesting because I get to see I get to see their training. Uh I get to see the personalities, the personalities of the coaches, what the coaches are telling them and stuff like that. That made it really intriguing to me. Like I would watch any of those episodes so it's no problem, um, so I think Tony needs to start his own
1: reality TV show <laughs> hey, there we go. I should have been an actor, right <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll do the Orson Welles School of catch Wrestling, man, Jeez. you know, hey, if all my students were as big as Orson Welles, you know you couldn't get your arms around in the body line, but uh
0: <laughs> you know uh
1: here the but, you know. I remember there was a brief time, and, and I can't give you specifics. I might have been eight, nine years old, ten years old, something. And they used to once a week broadcast these old radio Lux Theater and just old radio programs. And uh, you know, when I was a kid, I'm like, I don't, I don't want to sit here listening to this. I want to watch television. You know, I want to see things, right? But then I, I, I as I started to get a little bit older, not a lot older, but let's say 14, 15, I started to appreciate that. And when I was able to, you know, do, you know, part-time job, I would actually, I remember buying a couple cassette tapes of, it was called old time radio programs. And I would, you know, probably 45 minutes per side. And I would actually listen to it. And I'm like, wow, this is really cool. You know, um, that's obviously 30, 20 years before the internet or whatever. And uh, uh, yeah, that's the thing, you know, imagination. And and it helps our creativity. And, you know, like Nico just said right now, Oh, Tony, that's what you need uh, to start your own reality show. See, my mind doesn't work like that anymore. I don't have that. I guess that imagination that I used to have that creativity, like, nico just brought that idea up i never would have even thought about that you know so um that's something that i probably need to work on again you know is is my creativity or my imagination to come up with with things
2: yeah i think i think what you were saying like with the listening to the audio stories and stuff i think a lot of kids are missing out on that now and you're right it, it engages your imagination also like reading a book To me, that really engages your imagination, you know, and I think with all the technology, it seems to be a a neglected thing with especially the the new generation. But uh, I think they're really missing out in that aspect.
1: Well, I remember reading once just a passage uh, talking about this young girl uh, and so on and She was attractive. And, you know, the the point is it was in a book. And, yes, the girl was attractive. The girl was absolutely startling beautiful because I created that image. Okay. Now, if I would have seen it in a movie, I might have said, ah, she's really not that pretty. Or how can they say she's attractive? And it would have dulled the story. So I agree with you there, Nico. When you can read a book you can create, you can actually give an addendum to the author, uh, meaning whatever the author was trying to convey, you are going to construct it in such a way to make it either palatable for yourself or not. And, you know, I miss, I mean, I, I used to love to read. And then I got into just reading like technical nature stuff, you know, like uh, science and things like that. And but I remember, like you know, enjoying reading certain books, and um, now it's hard because my eyes—I can't see very well. I, you know, anytime I'm—I'm I'm doing anything, I got to have these old man, you know. I told you, without these, I'm Mister Magoo. I can't see anything. So, uh, but yeah, it's a, it, it, it is about the mind. Become and, and don't get me wrong, there are some brilliant young minds out there. Children are still our only hope in this world, right? And there are some amazing talents that need to be nurtured. Um, And it's up to people our age, your age, Nico, to, you know, uh, encourage them and bring them along. And one of the best ways of doing it is by setting an example. You know, that was the one thing that I always had a problem with when I was a kid. If an old timer could actually do it, then I would listen. If I found an old timer that couldn't do anything, eh? You're preaching, you know. I'll wait till Sunday when I go to church and I'll hear, you know, the father, the pastor, you know, do his preaching. So that's just how it worked with me. I was always a show me kind of guy, and I'm sure to a degree you guys are too. But um, yeah, I mean, that's something I probably should do. Maybe, maybe this weekend, just go get a book. Read a book.
3: Readers make leaders, Tony. I think O.J. Well,
1: you know, I I have a lot of books upstairs, actually, that I, you know, should uh, get back at. You know, um, hell, I have a couple of books in my bedroom that I I have sitting there because I kept saying I'm going to read them. And they're books that I've read before, but they would be interesting uh, to read again. One of them is The Color of Money, uh, which, by the way, the book was much better than the movie. And I just—it's been sitting in my bedroom for nine months. You know, it—it um, it was very hard for me with when my where my mom was here to get away and absorbed in a book because I have to kind of pay attention to her. So I I need to block out time, you know, where I I can just dedicate it to the book so I can immerse myself in it. Um, hmm.
3: Well, before i forget i was going to say i mean hope springs eternal with we were talking about kids and um old time radio shows but you know actually this you know my son ben when we were on a road trip he actually found um ways to stream old time radios so uh, on on the car while we were driving they were playing like the old mystery things like the shadow and other uh, old you know yeah. radio programs But you can still that stuff is out there. And in some ways, the technology like, you know, they're always worried about kids being on their phones. And granted, he's not a kid anymore. He's a young man in his early 20s. But I mean, in some ways that technology does make it more easy to get that stuff like like you said, you had to go out and get a tape of it. You know, you had to come across it in a record store or something. But now if kids are curious, a lot of that media now, some of it's lost forever. Unfortunately, a lot of those recordings are just gone. Um, but at least a good portion of them, you can actually stream them online. You can find archives of them. So that's another thing you can hunt down too, Tony, but you can literally stream that stuff off your phone now. So on the flip side, technology does make those things more accessible. You just have to know to go look for them.
2: Yeah, I was able to get, um, through my library, they have an app where you can basically rent audiobooks and also, and some of them are like online books that you read, um, and they're all free and you get a certain amount you can take out every month. And that's, that's a good way. You could, you could probably access some of those old stories like Tony was talking about on that, through that site. And I don't know if your local library may offer something similar. Um, but I, I started doing that because I, f- I figured I'm, I'm spending so much time driving to and from job sites and I'm, and all that time, driving was basically just wasted time so i just started uh figured out how to get those audiobooks and and listen to a book during my drive so it's was not wasted time i'm
1: actually learning something well yeah i i have to be very careful because i've been i've been accused rightfully so by many people of living in the past so if i get lost in these radio shows from 1940 uh uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, you know, it'll be like entering the twilight zone, but that's okay. You know, I, I'm, I need to get away from the current events. Uh, I do about a year or so ago. Well, for 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 many of you who know me, um, my favorite movie. Well, I, I say that, but you know, I, it depends on your mood. But has always been uh the best years of our lives, 1946. And on YouTube, they actually had they did a radio after the movie came out, Dana Andrews, who was one of the stars, he did a radio show, a radio program of the best years of our lives. He was the only actor from the movie in it. There was other new actors on the radio program and it was condensed. You know, the movie was quite a long movie. It was over two hours. This radio program was much much shorter. And um, I found that interesting. I, I didn't find it anywhere near as compelling as the movie because know, it was short. I don't think if you saw them, if you didn't see the movie, you probably would kind of get a little bit lost. But yeah, I'm going to do that, Nico and Joe, I will uh, look up, uh, you know, some interesting um, programs, you know, I I even remember they believe they had a a Sherlock Holmes uh, thing. I remember correctly.
2: Yeah, you can check your local library too, because you may, you may be able to just rent them for free through this through the. I, no I,
1: really? I, no lo- I have no local library. Really, I have no local. I have no local library.
2: I thought I was in the sticks.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is so bad. You know, I'm I'm waiting for Mr. Haney and you know Ava Gabor to come up. You know, with Green Acres and shit. Okay, no, I'd have to go to another town, and I don't know. I you know if I can even do that. You know, it's crazy. <laughs> i mean right i mean shit oh wow how could i well how could this ever happen to me right uh but yeah uh and no there's no such thing as a farmer's daughter out here sorry to bust everybody's bubble i wish um yeah uh see like i like old music right i always have uh big band era uh your jazz this and that uh and even the music, you know, rock. You know, 70s, 80s, uh, that's probably the end of it. I, I mean, now I'm not saying I didn't like more contemporary songs, but, you know, 70s and 80s, that's my end. I wasn't a big fan of the 50s rock and roll too much. Um, some 60s was great. But, yeah, I, I so I, I do. I like the old stuff. You know, I, I really do. Movies, oh, my goodness. I... Uh, I haven't watched a movie in in a long story, but I haven't watched a movie in a long time. I wish I, I need to start doing that again.
3: Theaters are starting to open up now, finally, again, the one down the street from me, I think April 15th, the the Tivoli. That's one of the big local ones here, but that's finally opened up. I think, yeah. Uh, so I think people are going to start going back to the show a lot. So who knows?
1: Oh, I think it's been i don't remember the last time i've been to a movie theater i i don't it's it's been certainly not since i lived here it's maybe 15 years ago um maybe longer than that since i've gone to a movie we talked about
3: going to see uh the movie creed that one time, but no, we didn't pan out. That was the last time I remember talking to him about
1: movies with you. Oh, okay. I think I do know the last, okay. What, what th- this movie was, uh, uh, I went with Kevin and, and Jeannie, his wife, uh, Kevin Spacey was in the movie. It was a weird movie. There was some, I, I don't even remember the name of the movie. Um, you guys know it there were one of the characters was a, the former uh uh di marines and it turns out that he put the make on a guy it, it might have won the Oscar. oh
3: the american beauty
1: was yeah that- yeah yeah what year did that movie that's the last movie i ever saw what year did that movie come out yes that's
3: i'll have to look it up but that was yeah. a while ago yeah that's the,
1: last, that's the last movie i've ever seen in a movie theater i had no idea what i, I didn't even care to go see the movie i just wanted to go we were going to go out for dinner after the movie, Kevin and Jeannie, I said, yeah, sure. I'll go to the movie. You no, know, that, that's fine. That's actually the last movie that I ever saw. Could that be 15 years ago? I mean, what, well, I have no idea when it came out.
3: Holy shit, Tony, it was
1: 1999. You're telling me 22 years? That, there you go. You talk about... You You don't like pop pop culture, Nico? I mean, come on. I mean, shit. I haven't gone to a movie in 22 years.
2: Yeah, it's probably been almost the same time for me, too. I
1: mean, come on, <laughs> man. I remember I went to a couple... I mean, with a couple of the guys I was training, we went and saw one of the Rocky flicks, you know. And then, And then I remember... One of the girls I dated, we saw the Titanic, that was the only movie we ever saw, how fitting it had to be Titanic, you know, our relationship sunk just like the ship, you know, my luck, so, you know, that's about it, okay, Uh, I I don't, you know, I don't go to movies.
3: (laughs) I'm still just trying to picture you and Kevin... Watching American Beauty. That's a movie I would not see the two of you guys
1: hanging out and watching. <laughs> because it's because Jeannie wanted to go see it. That was his wife. She's like, she wants to go see the movie. Kevin's like, come on, do Let's go. We're going to go get some pizza afterwards. You know? Yeah, okay, anything for pizza. You know, shit, I didn't have to drive. Let's go. I had no idea. I actually thought, this is how stupid I was. I thought it was a Disney movie. You know, like Sleeping Beauty? <laughs> I thought we were going to go see a cartoon. I had no idea. I show up and then I'm like, I, I didn't, you know, and I tried to take a nap during the movie and Jeannie kept elbowing me, stay awake, stay awake. You no, know, I'm like, God, don't you know, let me be. Yeah, I'm not into that kind of, st- that. you know, I, I'm very particular with the kind of movies I like.
3: Yeah, I'm trying to think how much violence or punching there is. There was some gun violence, but not not in the kind of hand-to-hand stuff that you like.
1: No, I just remember that girl, that young chick, She, you know, that's, basically all i can that was the highlight to me i i'm not into those, <laughs> that other stuff i mean you know i never even knew who the hell kevin spacey was i never heard of the guy well i and guess I bad
3: news for you yeah his career hasn't uh gone in a positive direction since you saw that movie but
1: that story well, from- no, I, mean, I heard about that yeah i mean because that was all over the news a few years ago but uh you know maybe if i was an actor you know, maybe if I would have done even, like, local theater. I mean, I, I did acting in, like, grade school, you know, Um but that was, like, I think I played Joseph the Carpenter, you know, Jesus' father or something. I might have even played Jesus. I mean, that, that could have been. Who knows? You don't use
3: Jesus. I'd like to see yeah, that. I
1: probably was because I was, like, the big-time altar boy in, in Catholic school, so I remember – yeah. I played, I may have played Jesus. I don't recall, but I do remember having you to go down. The
3: thing is they try and crucify you. You'd put up a fight. There's no way you'd take it.
1: Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I didn't, this is before I started training. We're talking third grade here. Or some shit. I don't know. But uh, I do remember always having to practice singing those songs and everything and learning them in different languages you know, different language. And Oh man, you know, I mean, here's an Italian kid, you know, in an all basically an all black neighborhood, learning Polish Christmas carol. I mean, go figure that one. Out. Uh, you know, the weird upbringing. But speaking of weird upbringings, let's let's circle this back because before the show, Nicole, before you uh, logged on, I was telling Joe uh, that Orson Welles actually kind of has a has a connection around here. He was uh, born in uh, Kenosha. <coughs> excuse me, Wisconsin, left when he was an you know, infant and uh, was basically raised in Chicago and Woodstock, Illinois. I uh, mean, I guess he spent about four years in Woodstock and uh, kind of interesting. So, you know, basically the general, you know, north, northern Illinois, uh, southern Wisconsin area, I guess he lived, spent time in Madison, Wisconsin and everything. It's kind of interesting because he does not, come off at all as a midwest guy you know he's got that deep uh, you know oh the french you know when he was drunk doing that you know commercial for uh (laughs) paul Masson. we will sell no wine before it's time the guy was awesome you guys gotta look that shit up it's classic
3: was that the same town where they filmed uh groundhog's day up by you
1: woodstock yeah yeah i knew somebody who appeared in that movie and uh Now I won't mention her name, but she did not have anything good to say, anything good to say about Bill Murray, Uh, and I guess he gave Andy McDowell and a lot of people a hard time on that. But again, um, matter of fact, I think he broke up with his best friend, what was his uh, uh, Harold Ramis, over that. Uh, He was just yeah, he was going through some hard times. uh, Bill Murray, Uh, yeah, apparently he was. A little bit difficult, but if you go to Woodstock, there's that restaurant. there was a scene several scenes in the restaurant. They still have pictures uh, there. Uh, the bowling alley is still there. The, you know the town where he jumped out of the, the, the you know the clock tower, all that stuff's still there. Woodstock really hasn't changed you know that much since they filmed that uh, movie.
3: So it's clear though talking about Groundhog Day that you, you watch movies, you just haven't gone out to the movies per se.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I, that's the yeah, I don't go to theaters, but I mean, I, I watch movies. I just don't go to, I don't go to theaters, but Groundhog Day. I mean, I've watched that so many times that I thought I was in Groundhog Day. Okay. It's like every day I would watch the movie again. It was just like, wait a minute. Am I really watching a movie or is it Groundhog Day? It's interesting. We don't know. That's true. I, that I feel like
3: I've been on this podcast over and over again for sure.
1: Well, I know your hair is growing, so I That's mean, how we know
3: time has changed?
1: Yes, yes, your hair. I'm uh,
3: glad you finally mentioned it. You know, you kept mentioning your vision, and I was like, it must be the vision because he hasn't said anything today. I thought it was. I was having a particularly good hair day, and I was pretty excited to have it recorded, archived, just like the stories of martial arts mas- masters of yesteryear. This too should be archived, I think.
1: Well, speaking of archives, yes, I think so. And, you know, ladies and gentlemen in the listening audience, uh, we normally film our podcasts Sunday morning, and, uh, you know, we go live. But now because of Nico's work schedule, uh, we can't do that often. Now, we did last Sunday because Nico wasn't able to appear, and we had a, a guest. But this will be you – you, you folks will be watching this on Sunday, although it's Thursday night while we're when we're filming this. Hence, I'm just sitting back relaxed, because it's already late when we're filming this. And I didn't feel like setting everything up. Uh, But yeah, it's, you know, we really should start archiving these things talking things because the technology exists. And as I was mentioning to, you know, um, earlier about watching these interviews, I've watched them, you know, to learn how to interview, and basically, the best way to interview is to shut up. You know, that's what I like about Dick Cavett. He just asks asks a pertinent question and then sits back and lets the guy talk. But uh, the audience, these were live audience. The audience was so different back then. They were quiet. They would listen. They 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 could they could sit there and, and have the guest talk for two, three, four, five minutes uninterrupted, and you know they're they they kept the audience's attention um you know, so that's awesome that we can see these clips from the seventies or the sixties or what have you and and that's why we need to do this while we still can because then there'll be a you know will be a time when all we, well, we should have done it it's too late, you know Joe got his hair cut and you know had a nervous breakdown over it, now he's gone, once and you
3: know once it's cut, it's done fellows yeah.
1: you're like samson got
2: you, right oh we, we should do a special episode where we hold oh my joe goodness down tie him down and i'll shave his head this is a great
1: idea we could well, do i'll give you the don't worry
2: joe i'll give you a fade joe i know <laughs> how to give fade.
1: well then i'll hold him down and you you cut his hair then yeah
3: no? i think this is some potential some here's the reality show i think we've got our, our pilot up. <laughs>
1: there there you go yeah I, I, I remember at the gym one time Vince he's on my fundamentals of the jab or video foundations of the jab video uh he needed a haircut <laughs> I, I had the clippers I said sit down while well, he wasn't sitting still <laughs> he looked like a skunk he, he had this big like a mohawk almost it was it was i felt. And then when I was done, he's like, how's it look? I'm like, yeah, well, okay, well, let's go, man. It's getting late, man. <laughs> I look at the mirror. He went to work the next day. They're like, what the hell happened to you? And he worked at, like, big advertising agency in Chicago. Like, who did this to you? Tony, <laughs> like, man. Oh, God. So, um, yeah, it, it was – And then shortly after my my dad died, they have here, for those in the listening audience who may not know, there's a thing called St. Baldrick's where you get your head shaved bald and you donate your hair for, they make wigs, you know, cancer is what, it's all about cancer. So me, so see Vince, Johnny Rice, and and myself, we went to a place long gone now called Higgins. They shaved our our head. And, uh, you know, a lot of you guys, like Nico, You look, you look tough with your hair. You know, you look great, right? Man, I look like a hard boiled egg that just didn't get boiled long enough or something, man. I look like shit.
3: I think the listening audience wants a picture. I think that that needs to go up on the Instagram.
1: Oh my God. Never.
3: You're like the Fonz, man. I can't imagine you let anybody touch your hair.
1: Yeah. Well, I, it was for a good cause. I mean, there's, there's always a reason, right? And this was for cancer, uh, you know to fundraise you know you collect money oh we'll pay money to see his get see him get his hair cut. and all that money go, goes to charity so uh it was worth it and uh so I did it that was back in well my dad died in December of 2012 well,
3: so that was so it's kind of like a, a tribute to your dad kind of like a well a tribute but like kind of motivated by
1: I, yeah, I mean, if, yeah, I mean, nothing is going to, would have brought him back, but you know, if, if that, could, if it could help somebody else, right? Even if it's, sometimes yeah. people it's it's right. of, it's, well, it's, it's, again, it's like these small voices all becoming unison, and now you got one large voice. So you may not be able to donate a million dollars, but if you can contribute whatever, 10, 20, $5, whatever, and you get 10,000 people that can do that, now all of a sudden, there's, there's some, some good that can be done but uh yeah i i need to keep my i need to keep my hair as long as i can <laughs> yeah. so i got that's so, so, yeah. all yeah
3: well as a as, uh, promotion and getting attention i think that would yeah that would definitely get some attention on on social media so keep that in mind tony yeah, hair right. Well, yeah. yeah um i did um so one time casey he's my oldest son now but he was just a kid we went out to Um, his grandma no shit his great grandmother's farm and long story short he came back with something that was like lice or something he was out playing where he shouldn't have been playing he had stuff in his hair and he was little you know so he was and we're like uh oh like we saw something crawling around and it was like we're shaving his head now and um, he was a little scared or whatever you know we got the clippers out I'm like hey you know what do me first I had never shaved my head before so I sat there and like, Casey, we're going to do this together. Watch your old man. And so I sat in the chair and zzz, Sasha shaved my head. And then he it was like a game for him. And then we did his. Man, we look like a Krishna cult afterwards like, <laughs> <around> for like, <laughs> like, it was not, it was fun for like, you know, a half an hour. And then like, yeah, six months of, uh, you know, people giving us little donations on the side of the road and stuff, but it was, it was funny, um, but, yeah, no, I'm also not, you know, as good as I look here, it's the it's the exact opposite with that shaved head. I do not have that shaved head look, I don't think. It's...
1: You know, I don't want to say anything. Uh, okay, I don't want to really get into this because it's kind of controversial, but, like, when I was a kid, there were old people, old-timers. You didn't get your head shaven, okay? That was something you just didn't do. Like, today, it's the cool thing to do because – that was a bad time in world history. Uh, what, when, when where they came from, they came from this, this Holocaust stuff, you know, and it, you know, that it was symbolic. It was something you just normally didn't do. And so when I was a kid, there was only two famous people that, that had that look going on. And that was Telly Savalas and Yul Brenner, If you remember Yul Brenner. uh, generally that wasn't happening until um you know michael jordan kind of popularized that big time but yeah i i don't want to get rid of my hair now my dad when he died he had hair like this he, you know he full head of hair so i hopefully will take after him um if not oh well you know i don't think i have that many years left anyway so i don't know what difference does it make you know? you
3: brenner was cool man he was cool actor. yule brenner he was cool. I just watched him in The Mag- Magnificent Seven probably, I don't know, a month ago or so. But he was definitely
1: cool. That was a great movie. Um, well, there was a yeah. lot of cool actors back then, you know. But, you know, part of the reason they're cool is because we didn't get to know everything there was about them. And, and a lot of what their their publicity, their bios, were was bullshit. You know, it was hype. Um, so there was some mystery to them. I think now many celebrities including athletes, you know, we tend to know, I think a little too much about them. And the mystique is kind of going, you know, that's my opinion. Well, that's kind of what we were talking about at the beginning of this, the, kind of
3: the difference between celebrity now and celebrity back then, you know, that they were kind of polished and clean up. You didn't see all the warts. I mean, everybody's got human f- flaws and things. and But if you can kind of clean off the rough edges and kind of accentuate the, you know, the cool parts, they, they it changes public perception of them. And uh, for good or bad, we've lost that. I mean, in some ways it's good to know everybody's human, you know, and that, you know, no one's uh, perfect necessarily, but uh, that's that's something that's probably sacrificed as a part of that. And maybe why celebrities aren't as, as huge as they once were, you know, in that golden age.
1: I think the world in general, well, I shouldn't say the whole world, but America, perhaps. You know, we've lost our innocence, and, and, and probably more than once, uh, but there's a lot to that. I, I, I can remember when the rose-colored glasses came off of me, and that was, I'm, I'm not going to get into details, but that was in the 90s um, when my rose-colored glasses came off, and my whole world, I'm not the same person that I was uh And and it's and it's now I'm not talking necessarily like nothing bad has ever happened since I've had horrible, much worse things have happened to me subsequently, but it was just an event that was you know shocking, you know that man I didn't think it happened you know it just a personal thing nothing like you know that it just it changes you so yeah we've lost I think a lot of people have lost their innocence and. I wish I could get some of that back. My naivety, you know, naivete, however they pronounce it, you know, where I could be naive again. There's, there's a street smarts is a double-edged sword. You know, it makes you cynical. Uh, It makes you very non-trusting and uh, you know, it it could take some of the fun out of things.
3: It's funny you brought up the term naive, because that's exactly what I was thinking when you, when you said that, that I think that's the trade-off and that, in some ways we're more informed now and I generally think it's better honestly I mean as much as we've lost some of the maybe some of the mystery and innocence you know it comes knowledge is power hopefully you know I just kind of think kind of getting on the personal side so my grandfather on my mother's side he was a an abusive alcoholic and my mom um the way she relayed the story is growing up this whole time, she thought that her family, this was the her family was the only one going through this. She had no idea that this was a common affliction, that it was something that people went through and had to deal with. So not only did she have the stress and, and all the the hard times as a result of that, but she also had kind of shame of it and hit it. And I don't, and you know, because on TV, all she saw was like father knows best, and everything was you know, and everybody on the outside looked a certain way. There was kind of, like I said, she had a naive view of how the world was and how people were. And granted, you know, she was younger then, but there's a lot of issues we deal with. It's just kind of like the idea of, you know, they talk about how we've become more afraid and protective of our kids because we realize there's all these predators out there for children. Well, I think they were always out there, but people didn't know. Now, maybe we're, exaggerating them. I think people are maybe hyper aware or afraid of them, but in some ways it's like, it's, it's kind of the price of knowledge is like knowing what the real world is like. It's, it, you do lose, you know, those, like you said, the rose colored glasses, but at least you're seeing clearly, you know what I'm saying? So there's that trade-off of like, yeah, you don't have a idealized view of the world and, and you're kind of disillusioned in a lot of ways, but uh, ultimately maybe disseminating that information you know, whether, whatever it is, like I said, knowing, having a better idea of how the world really works or the flaws of people is ultimately for the better. Cause at least when you, when you shine a flashlight on it, whether, you know, like I said, in my family's case, hey, alcoholism is a real problem and a lot of people deal with it, then at least you can, you can try and deal with it as opposed to hide it. I don't know. I'm kind of rambling here, but I was just reacting to what you were kind of saying about, it seems like people individually lose that, but I think as a society as a whole, and this has been kind of a gradual thing over time, there's just a lot, of, <clears throat> a lot of truths about the way the world works, whether it's distrust of your government, being more critical of people in authority, you know, like people used to just naively trust. They didn't think that the president ever lied to them or, you know what I'm saying? I, I think those days are gone. I think, I mean, it's maybe we're darker and more cynical, but I think there, there can be value to that too.
1: Well, I, and yeah, agreed. And, and conversely, people tend to romanticize the past, the good old days, where on deeper analysis, the good old days were not very good for a lot of people. And uh, yeah, so they, I think that's part of, of the human existence, where we're trying to create a utopia of sorts, where we think it's either out there or was out there. And if it was in the past, can I get back to that? If it's out there, can, can I find that? And unfortunately, uh, you know, there, there, there's, according to recorded human history, there has never been a utopia. You know, there, there there's always been, you know, calamities and wars and, you know, plagues and famines and, you um, But remember something, most of what we know is written, except for the 20th and 21st century where it's been, you know, recorded. Everything else is written. So the authors, you know, put their twist, put their style to it and can either make or break a situation. They say history is written by the winners, you know, um, and, and there could be validity, validity to that, uh, but yeah, for me, I, I try at time, and it's been such a unbelievable struggle for me to try to find contentment with all the stress that I'm under with the situations here. Uh, and, uh, this is the diff- most difficult phase of my life. And, uh, and I've had difficulties pretty much my whole life, but this is the, uh, the big struggle. And, uh, I'm not going to say if I can get through this, I can get through anything, because if I get through this, then it's just take a deep breath before the next thing happens, right? Nico goes through troubles. You go through troubles. We all go through them. Uh, it's just, you know, I've never had a phase in my life, an extended period of time of harmony. That's what I, 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 I miss, you know, I think the longest period of time that I went through where I was absolutely happy, like on the cloud, was probably three or four months. That's sad.
2: Yeah, I think that's part of the human existence is dealing with pain, hardship. And uh, going back to like the audiobooks, that's basically all the audiobooks that I listen to are like biographies and real life stories of people just talking about their life and their, their pain, their hardships, um, the difficulties and and how they overcame them. To me, that's very inspirational. And I learn a lot from that. It's captivating. Um, I don't really, I'm not really into like fantasy stuff. I like to hear the real stories because it's universal. Everybody goes through hardship. Some people, you know, may have, it harder than others but the way they overcame i think anybody can learn from that so and that's that's why i want you to do a series on just your life i think it's it can be very inspirational for a lot of people
1: yeah you've mentioned that before other people have too maybe that is something we should work on um you know uh, by the way speaking of working on projects we had mentioned this membership program and that's still a go. We're just we just need a couple of where we have four or five people that we're trying to get together to put the last finishing touch. We're we're, we're three quarters of the way home, and it's just difficult to get everybody with their schedule uh, together. Um, but yeah, what you just said about you you get inspiration. And I do, too. And and, and even if I don't get inspired directly, I get uh, a sense of uh, belonging because I've never had that sense of family. I've never had that sense of, you know, like like, uh, uh, Rick was talking about last week about the group trainings and all of this. And you have this community, right, of like-minded people. I've always been isolated. I've always done things that basically nobody else is doing. So it, it's always made me kind of like a lone wolf. And when I hear other people's struggles, yeah, then I can relate. I can say, yeah, there are, there is a community of people out there. I may not be able to reach them, but, but they're out there. Uh, you know, so I don't necessarily feel like, you know, I'm, I'm alone. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's good that you feel that way too, that you can listen to these people and their tribulations that they went through. Uh, Yeah. it's. I I was getting captivated listening to these uh, Orson Welles interviews because while he never talked about anything, you know, dastardly, and I I know that he's, you know, prone to hyperbole, just listening to him talk and, and seeing this giant man laughing and, he lived a full life, living in Peking, living in, you know, Spain and wherever he's been around. Uh, you know, it, it's interesting. Uh, and it, it makes me realize, you know, that I need to laugh more. You know, like I used to always laugh and tell jokes and bust people's chops and, you know, do things like that. I, 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 need, I need to get back to that uh, desperately. Because I do believe all of us can get lost in our grief or in our sorrow or in our depression or whatever it is the malady that we go through. You, it's like going through a forest and you can get lost. Uh, you know, if you're not if you don't make a little trail, a little path with the breadcrumbs, you may never get back out again. And I cannot allow that to happen. Uh, I cannot ever allow that to happen. Well, that's what i do I, I i try to get through this maze without getting hopelessly lost joe what do you think about what do you think about the idea of you being strapped down and and just buzz through your hair just ball? cuz oh, i'm all for that
3: i was going to say it started off good when you're like what do you think about being strapped down and then it just kind of took a turn <laughs>
1: well oh my goodness um yeah i uh thinking about rita hayworth you know with with orson wells what a beautiful she was as far as when i was growing up well when i was really young it was farah and you know Jacqueline smith and cheryl ladd and all that with Cal welsh but really as a young man uh it was rita hayworth for me you know and uh you know, it's just then uh, you know. Along came Julie Newmar along the way, and of course many others. But Julie Newmar was you know the thing, and uh, uh, Sylvia Lewis is another one. Whoa! Uh, but yeah, uh, yeah, I could see you strapped down and have a bevy of wonderful women that that you would find very appealing. That would be that would be nice, wouldn't it? But you're married, so you can't you can't do that.
3: Yeah, I can either confirm nor deny that that would be an interest of mine for the radio listening, since this is being recorded. But uh, I'll take that under advisement.
1: Yeah, no, I, I know you've been, you always talk about your wife, always.
3: Right. Um, hey, but, you know, because we always talk about yeah. women of the past, you know, but I've got a recommendation for you now, modern women now, like in the last, you know, five years. Um, do you know who Gal Gadot is? I <clears throat> uh, do not know. Yeah, she's the current Wonder Woman. And so I think she's a contender because there's been some debates. Are there any new women who have that kind of uh, iconic beauty, classic beauty? I would say, do you know who she is, Nico? I mean, I know.
2: Oh, you're, you're, talk, you're talking to counterculture, boy. Okay. Uh,
3: well, then I'm oh, giving you two. I don't. <laughs> occasionally, there's a time to, to pay attention to the mainstream. There are some benefits occasionally, and this would be one, I would, I would argue. So this is homework for you guys for the next podcast to see thumbs up or thumbs down.
1: So well, can you okay. throw out another, another, cause I'm drawn like
3: no, my contemporary.
1: ends. That's because, huh? you, you
0: know,
3: yeah, I remember, I remember we talked and you're like, Hey, what about Britney Spears? And I was like, wasn't that like 15 years ago? I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't find her. No, but I'm just saying, her. so my, I'm, I'm, I'm putting one out there. Okay. So that's my contribution for that, that topic. Do some research. We'll, we'll discuss back on the next podcast.
1: Well, I mean, come on. I mean, if she's young, I mean, I'm, I could be her dad's age. Right?
2: Joe, I mean, can't you just pull up a picture of her?
1: That's
3: true. There is, I, I think there is this thing we can use with the technology. Let me see. This worldwide. Yeah, world.
1: I'd, like, yeah I'd love to see what she looks like. I, uh, I, you guys can you guys what's
3: her name talk. Again? And
1: I'll, uh, Bridget or, Bardot? I know who Bridget Bardot is. Is that who you're saying?
3: Okay, Grandpa, hold on. I'm going to get a picture. You
1: guys keep talking. You too. i I'm gonna <laughs> <laughs> Did not he say something like that? Didn't he nickel something about it, like Bardot or something like that? I don't know who this woman is. So besides glasses, you need hearing aid yeah. now? Or I actually it's, we know you have
2: no, sound like similar, it. but yeah, my, my uh short term memory is gone. I, I think it's
1: non-existent, so um yeah, I have no idea what what he said. I well, I mean it's I don't know who she I mean I'm not let me see what she looks like. I'll I'll give you an honest answer. I got a high level of beauty here. I'm, I'm picky. I'll tell you who else I, you know, uh, there was a woman not, not too much longer or not too long ago. Uh, no, she was, yeah, Linda Carter. Yeah, that's a long ago. She's older than me. What happened here? Yeah, she's... Oh, she's yeah. Pretty. Yeah, she's very, very, very pretty. I don't... Right. Yeah, she's very attractive, sure. Absolutely beautiful, yeah. So there is
3: a reason... That's all. Modern, modern pop culture, I recommend it occasionally, and here would be an example.
1: I can tell you that that's heavily Photoshopped.
3: Yeah, but I mean, there's other she things,
1: you can only Photoshop so much. That's pretty good. No, she's, a, she's beautiful. I'm not saying she's <laughs> bad. I mean, I, I yeah, that's, and that's a nice picture. That's not like a glamour shot. That's like a normal picture. She's very, she's very attractive. Yes. So, okay, you guys are welcome. How old is the woman, by the way? Oh, I don't know.
3: I'm assuming in her 20s, maybe 30s. I don't know.
1: Uh, she looked like, well, to me, she, well, I'm not good on age. She looked like she was in her 30s to me, so she's probably not. She's probably 25 or something. She might, yeah. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: To me, she looks like she's about 34.
3: Born in 85.
1: Huh? She was born in 85. Well, then she's 36. Oh, yeah. Yeah, You're right. I pretty much hit it on the head, yeah. So, all right. At least I got something right. Um... Yeah, that's still, you know, 20 years younger than me, basically. So, I mean, I at don't this know. point, yeah, very few are age appropriate for you, Tony, unfortunately. But maybe hey, you know what? My... This is the thing, man. <laughs> 20 years, of, you know, this ain't, you know, that's not so bad, I guess. You know, I mean, what do you want me to do? Go write a fan letter to like Dolly Parton? I mean, you know, want me to go 20 years the other other direction? Come on. She's very
3: popular now. She's come back. She's got, she a should be popular. Now. She's cool. Yeah. She funded a bunch of uh, vaccine stuff, right? She did a lot of, uh, she's still
1: still doing
3: good work. So good for her.
2: Yeah,
1: I, I mean, you know, again, this is, this is kind of funny, but, you know, I, I've always been around older people. You know that, right? Being raised by my grandparents in that circle. And even Kevin, who got killed, was almost 20 years older than me, my best buddy. I've always been with the older people. That's why when I tell people most of my friends are dead, yeah, because they are all 20 years older than me or or more. Um, So that's another reason why hanging with them and talking about the old stuff, you know, the old, you know, Angie Dickinson and Sophia Loren and all You know, those are the types of women that, you know, I I just was always – you know, that appealed to me even as a little kid because that's pretty much what I saw with the exception of, you know, when Charlie's Angels came on. Then I'm like, well, even, the, the, of course, they are they were a lot older to me, but not as old as, you know, Angie Dickinson and, you know, what have you. But, uh, yeah, very
3: well, – The yeah. good news is they're always making new ones, so.
1: Yeah, but just, it just seemed so much better when I was the younger one. They were older. It just seemed more – I don't know. I feel weird being my age and, you know, finding somebody 35 years old, you know, attractive. I kind of feel like, man, you know, I'm not a dirty old man. I mean, at least. You'll never be president that way. (laughs) I don't don't want to be president, man. I just want to be left alone. I don't know how many more people I have to tell it to leave me alone. I mean, not all alone. I mean, leave me alone on Gilligan's Island with Ginger and Marianne. That's, That's the kind of alone I want.
3: That's that's appropriate, but...
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you know...
3: Actually, didn't we lose Ginger?
1: No, Marianne. Marianne, that's right. Yeah, Don Don Wells passed away right uh, around Christmas, which was a shame. Um, yeah, Don well, uh, uh Tina Louise, who played uh, Ginger, is, is still with us. She's just, uh, you know... I don't know where she lives. I knew that she was living in New York. I don't know where she's living currently. I don't keep in touch with her, but... Uh, I'm you
3: sure know. Mrs. Howell didn't even she was already on death's bed probably during the show. I don't know what happened with her.
1: Yeah, she passed away. Uh Natalie Schaefer, she passed away quite a few years ago. And Mr. Howell, her husband, who voiced Mr. Magoo, was from Cleveland. He was he lived in Brattonall, Ohio, as was Burgess Meredith Mickey. He was another Clevelander. Uh kind of interesting. Just Angling, I, Yeah, I like Burgess Meredith. Throw that out there. Yeah. Cleveland had a, you know, honest to God now getting back to me being an actor, I could I should have done that because Cleveland actually has a great uh, uh, theater thing, you know, Cleveland playhouse and everything. And there, there, there was opportunities. I never thought about it even, you know, but it could have been, you know, and it may have been a little easier to break in in Cleveland and then launch to, you know, either New York or Chicago or or what have you. But, you know, once again, man, there was never any guidance in my life. Nobody telling me, go here, go there. It was just, I wish, you know, if I could turn back the hands of time, I wish. Um, Cleveland's a very interesting town. Had a lot of, uh, uh, you know, a a, a great uh, African-American scene with the, uh, uh, I believe it was the Karamu Theater, uh, or Caramel House, I could be wrong, I, I'm going on memory now, uh, and, you know, had great, uh, for music, you know, Cleveland Institute of Music is one of the finer classical uh, uh, music schools, uh, you know, in the country, and uh, the Cleveland Symphony Orchestra is generally regarded as the world's finest symphony orchestra, Cleveland has a lot of culture, not that Chicago or others don't, but people tend to overlook that, um,
3: <clears throat> not to forget I Drew do. Carey isn't Drew Carey from Cleveland
1: well yeah Drew Carey <laughs> I mean Jane Kennedy who used to be Miss USA or something and you never hear of her anymore one of the guys I used to play music with I actually went to high school with her here's another raving beauty uh Halle Berry she's from Cleveland suburb you know I didn't
3: know that <clears throat> absolutely Dwayne is crazy about her
1: well so am I she's my age you know I think she's she maybe a year younger than I am um and uh, Arsenio Hall, uh, Steve Harvey, who wasn't actually born in Cleveland but went to high school and you know was raised in Cleveland, I guess you'd say. Uh, yeah, there was uh, Paul Newman, of course, you know, was the most famous. Bob Hope, actually, he's probably even the more famous. Bob Hope was actually born in England but came to Cleveland when he was a baby and raised in Cleveland, literally used to box like diet, like his. Where it used to be, like, my my backyard made a right angle to the place. Um, So literally, I literally could say that, like, Bob Hope was in my backyard, almost, you know, honest to God. It was, like, right there. Just hopped the fence, and I would have been on their property. Um, Where he boxed years and years ago. A lot of people don't know that he boxed a little bit. And Dean Martin boxed, but he was out of Steubenville, Ohio, which is – closer to the uh, uh, Pennsylvania border by Youngstown. Um, But, yeah, you know, Cleveland had a few others. Uh, uh, There used to be uh, uh, Tony Bennett, who's not from Cleveland, but he sang in Cleveland a lot in in the beginning. Art Tatum, who some consider the greatest jazz pianist of all time, born in Toledo, got his musical start, really, in the clubs in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, Interesting stuff. Everybody thinks, you know, it's always Chicago or New York or L.A., but there's a lot of towns in this country that, you know. Well,
3: I do think kind of talking about creative ideas is I do think, A, you should do a YouTube channel for jazz and also for Cleveland, honestly. Just little videos of stuff you know about it. You know, start up a parallel thing. Uh, You'd be surprised, you know, just people talking about records that they like or whatever and get that out because I think there's interest out there. And, you know, there's probably a community of people. I know there's obviously Cleveland's a town with a, there's Facebook groups out there that I I see and keep an eye on. And uh, a lot of that stuff, I think there's an audience for it.
1: Well, I got to get back to my YouTube channel too. I've been a miss, you know, the last uh, couple of weeks here because I've just been tied up. I've lost touch with Cleveland. I don't go back to Cleveland. So anything that I would do Cleveland based would be like memories of Cleveland, you know, it would be my memories Um, of Cleveland, you know, uh, Kay Ballard, who you guys probably don't know, she was a big star. She died about three years ago. She was another one from Cleveland, and she was an Italian, and and Ballard was her stage name. Um, Cleveland to this day has like the fifth or sixth most – there's more Italians per capita in Cleveland than there is in Chicago. That's a fact. And Cleveland is like sixth or seventh in the country for Italians – uh, italian americans the east coast connecticut and you know all of that new york there they have more but uh and cleveland has generally accepted as the finest little italy in america uh murray hill and it it's again yeah See, yeah you're right i should probably you know uh, do a youtube channel but again i don't i have i don't keep up with cleveland i haven't been to cleveland in in Quite a few years. You and I need to take that road trip, and I'd like to get Nico, too. But with his work schedule, I don't know. But we need to go for a long weekend to Cleveland, uh, Joe, for sure. Oh yeah,
2: out. Yeah. That'd be a, that'd be a good reality good reality episode. Episode two, Tony, yeah. Tony, yeah. Tony's cruise through Cleveland. I
1: like yeah, that. right, right. Uh, uh, I'd love it, you know. And I okay, guess so they tore my house down, so we but well, we can still go down the neighborhood. Um yeah, they would be great. Uh and I could show you everything, you know, like here, I got jumped over here. Here's what this happened, that happened, and, and then I could still take you to the beautiful Braton hall with the mansions that look like Beverly Hills. <laughs> I got a tickle on my throat. Um we'd have to get a Roman burger at Mr. Heroes, that's absolute. And if Royal Pizza's still around, we're getting that. And uh and then Just have fun. Oh, and uh, (coughs) excuse me, Jesus, Slimans uh, Corned Beef. I know a lot of places are gone, you know, since I was there. These places are still there. I don't know about Royal Pizza, but Mr. Heroes is a chain, so I know they're there. Let's go. All right. Pack up all our cares and woes. Here I go singing low. we need to go. We need to go to Cleveland, man. We really do. That would do me well. I remember years ago you wanted to go with Ben, but I'm like, Ben's not 21. You know, there you can't you can't really there's places that I like to take you that you have to be 21. Yeah,
3: you, you don't know. want to be Cleveland and be sober. That's true.
1: <laughs> hey, that's true, but the the people are very friendly. Uh it's It's kind of like a unique little town. Um, I don't know the west side. I did take some friends of mine from Chicago there. We had to stay on the west side because we couldn't get a room anywhere else. That was back in the heyday of the Cleveland Indians. We went to catch an Indians game, so you couldn't even book a motel room. We we had a problem. And I ended up meeting a very lovely lady that owned a a tavern, and we – Stayed in touch for a while. She came to visit me here in Chicago. And, uh, you know, yeah, it was was a bit, but I don't know the west side. So we're, I'm an east sider. So I'll take you all around the east side, bro. All
3: right. So that's episode two of the the Tony Cicchini reality show.
1: Yeah, right. East bounding down, baby. Just like jerry reed saying we're eastbound and down
3: all right so do we got any closing thoughts as we come to the winding down the show any any
1: well i don't know i actually kind of liked today's show i mean it's just nice for some for some reason i felt more relaxed uh you know um i you know i just you know we we talk about a variety of subjects here subjects here And let me just add that, you know, I do get emails now and then from people that I've never met that are going through struggles, that are going through very desperate times, not because of COVID or anything, but just they lost their mother, they lost their their wife or some, their job or, or this or that. And, you know, always people can reach out to me if I can give them any words of inspiration, fine, but... You know, don't be ashamed to reach out for help. If anybody, like, you know, Nico was talking about earlier, you get caught up in things, you know, um, looking for inspiration, you know, don't be afraid of any stigma of saying you have depression or anxiety or, or whatnot. You know, call a helpline or look on the internet for maybe uh, groups that you can um, tie up with uh, or, you know, see if you can just, You know, talk to a mental health professional. Many counselors have uh, sliding scales financially, you know, so if you don't have insurance, they'll work with you. And you may find a good one who will even say, look, all right, you can come and talk to me, like once maybe, you know, for for free. And, you know, always reach out. You You know, you're not alone. Anybody who's out there who's suffering with anything, you're not the only one. And I don't mean that as to diminish what you're going through. That's hope for you know that there's other people out there and they're probably looking for you too. So you can form that community and, and, and feel better and get better because we're only here for a short ride. So let's enjoy that ride as, you know, as best we can. That's pretty much my closing thoughts. I think
3: that's a good message. All right, cool. Well, it's good to have, uh, see you guys again. Great to have Nico back.
1: Yeah, we miss you, Nico.
2: Miss you guys.
3: So hopefully we'll have you uh, for the next one, too, and we'll go from
1: there. All right, everybody. We'll see you guys next week.
3: All All right. right. Goodbye, guys.
1: Goodbye. (laughs)